Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. Today, we're kicking off a month devoted to one-layer wonders, or, as I like to think of them, cakes that even I can make. From sheet cakes to bunts, we're hauling out our baking pans and reflecting back on how far we've come since our first cake month, all the way back in 2016. First up is a sheet cake with not one, not two, but four of my favorite words in it, and I just can't wait to see what you all think. Then we'll award our highly coveted third season blue ribbon to the one dessert that captured our imagination all year long. So grab yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk. Listeners, by now you have probably seen the Facebook post asking for your favorite holiday cookies. And apologies once again, jumping the gun just a little bit. But if you haven't had a chance yet, please hurry over there and look for the post about your favorite Christmas and holiday cookies and add your favorites because we are ready to record a mini segment for an upcoming episode and I need to get all of the listener feedback that I can. So if you haven't seen it yet, please pop over to the Facebook group and then listen for episode 154, which will contain all of those goodies. Stefan, it's never too early for holiday cookies as far as I'm concerned. So I don't think you need to apologize. (laughs) Is it too early for the Hallmark Christmas movie though, Andrea? What's the uh, judge's ruling on that? Oh yeah, no, that is too early. We're still, you know, in fall festival. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. All right. (laughs) I just watched one called October Kiss. I would like to give it a little shout out because it took place or was supposed to take place in Seattle. Mm. Have you seen October Kiss? Um, That one doesn't ring a bell. I feel like most of them are filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia. So Mm -hmm. there might have been a shot or two of Seattle, but I'm guessing it wasn't actually in Seattle. Yeah, it was like the Space Needle shot. And they spent a lot of time, like a lot of time, talking about drinking coffee. (laughs) So... Um. That's what we do over here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, It rains and we drink coffee. Hey, speaking of what you do in the Pacific Northwest, happy birthday to my co-host. It's your birthday week. I know. I'm so excited. Thank you. I kind of thought you were going to sing to me the full-on song there for a minute, but happy birthday to you. What are you doing for the (laughs) big day? Any plans? What's going on? Yeah, actually some big plans this year, which is going to be kind of fun. Mm -hmm. I and my daughter are headed to Disneyland. Oh, Oh, the best. We kind of share a birthday. We're only separated by one day. And so we're getting together with some other family members and we're just going to have a great time. And Stefan, normally for my birthday, I would plan on getting something chocolate. Maybe I would even do some baking. Mm. But I don't think it'll surprise you to know. And any listeners who listen to episode 79 (laughs) would not be surprised to know. I'm going to be heading straight for the Dole Whip stand. And that will be my birthday treat. (laughs) Get one, get two. I love the Dole Whip also. And you know, it's reminding me of several, maybe even like a year ago now, listener Amy went to Disneyland and there is a level of fandom that includes dressing like something at Disneyland. And she dressed like a Dole Whip, I believe. Do I have that memory correct? And it was adorable. 
I know Amy and her sister Karen go to Disneyland quite a bit. I have an image in my head of Amy dressed as Minnie Mouse. I'm not recalling her dressed as Dole Whip, but I would not put it past her. Okay, Amy, listener Amy, we know you're out there. (laughs) Clarify for us. Also, Andrea, I mean, maybe you could dress as Dole Whip. I do not have my Dole Whip (laughs) costume ready, but I'll consider it. I definitely will consider it. Well, there are so many yummy treats at Disneyland. And you know, I have not been since we've been over here. And the thing that I miss the most might surprise you. It is the Disneyland toffee. Oh, is it just a traditional style toffee? Kind of the type that we make? Yes, very similar to the one we made last Christmas or two Christmases ago. That was listener Jeannie's delicious recipe. Yeah, so yummy. So good. And the... Disneyland version has almonds and is really good. So I highly recommend searching out the sweet shop on Main Street USA and getting a pack of that because it's oh. uh, it's really good. So glad you told me that. I will definitely put that on my Disney agenda. And you know, if you tell them it's your birthday, they'll give you a special pin and then everyone who works there has to say happy birthday to you. Everyone has told me that and I've told my daughter that we're doing that. And of course, for someone 13 years old turning 14, she is not excited about that. <laughs> I definitely am going to take advantage. Well, you get your pin on. <laughs> Well, have so much fun and happy birthday, my friend. Thank you. Well, Stefan, this week's Bake Along, we are kicking off our theme of One Layer Wonders. Now, in the top of the show, I mentioned how far we've come. And listeners, if you haven't been with us from the beginning, you would find out that when Stefan and I first talked about doing this show, her first proposed theme to me was cake. And I admitted to her that I had rarely, if ever, made a cake, which I'm sure caused her to question why, in fact, I was proposing doing a baking podcast. What cracks me up is that November is a time when often people think of pie, and yet we have steadfastly like stuck to our cakes in November because it's our birthday and anniversary month. That's right. We're going with the cakes, baby. So... One Layer Wonders have always appealed to me because one of the biggest challenges for me when making a cake is getting, you know, the three layers or the four layers, Mm -hmm. slicing them evenly, stacking them up, getting the frosting in between all the layers. It's just a real challenge. I think it requires some special tools, which I don't have. So the idea behind One Layer Wonders was, oh, these cakes are going to be easy. (laughs) And... Then I picked a cake that really appealed to me. It's from the Bake from Scratch magazine, which I absolutely love. I I just think their magazine is beautiful. It's got such great photos and directions and recipes. And the name of this cake, I mentioned it has four words I love. So see if you can guess which ones they are. It's the butterscotch cake with salted caramel buttercream. I mean, all of those words sound delicious to me. (laughs) Every single one. I love butterscotch, I love salt, I love caramel, I love buttercream. (laughs) And put it with each other, what a winner. And you guys just heard me laughing because Andrea is saying, oh, let's do One Bowl Wonders and these will be simple cakes. And this cake is not only cake, but it is a buttercream frosting that incorporates a homemade caramel. Holy cow. Yeah, this is really not a simple cake. It is a sheet cake. And in my foolishness and lack of cake knowledge, I thought sheet cake equals easy. Mm. I'm not saying that this one is going to be difficult, but based on the fact that it's really three entire different recipes. So you've got the recipe for the cake, you've got the recipe for the buttercream, and you've got the recipe for the caramel. Yeah. 
I am definitely thinking uh, this is a little bit more than I signed up for. So I've got my fingers crossed that I'm actually able to go through all three recipes and pull this one off because it looks gorgeous. Well, I am very excited. Caramel and butterscotch are some of my family's favorites as well. I like that this isn't a 13 by 9. I think all month long, Andrea, we've done a good job of selecting cake recipes that are in a different size pan the whole month. So we're starting off with a 13 by 9. Okay, here is my first issue. Ingredient number one is two-thirds a cup of butterscotch morsels. Now, a few episodes ago, I believe you were bemoaning paying six bucks for HP sauce. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Uh-oh. Okay. I'm nervous. I want you to guess how much I paid for imported butterscotch morsels, which just are not a thing here. Just not a thing. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe like $8? Mm. Go higher. Oh, no. Um, I don't know, like $10? $12? I think oh, it's no. going to be like a dollar a morsel. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not. I am not. You know what? I love to splurge on things like this. So it's actually really fun for me to search them out and have a little taste of home. Sadly, you know, when I've had ingredients like this in the past, I've had someone coming this way and I could say, hey, you know, could you put some chocolate chips? Could you put some gelatin, these different things in your suitcase for me? But sadly, it didn't work out with when I am going to need to make this cake. So that's okay. I enjoy doing it and am really excited about butterscotch morsels. Gosh, I almost hesitate to tell you this, but I never keep butterscotch morsels on hand. That's not something I use quite a bit. Plus, my husband absolutely loves them, so he doesn't necessarily want them lying about the house as a snacking item. So I did have to go to the grocery store to buy ingredients to get ready for this bake, and mine were on sale. They were $2.99 a bag. (laughs) So I picked Mm. up a couple couple of bags just because I thought, what a great price. (laughs) Of course you did. The rest of the ingredients, fairly straightforward. We have some water, unsalted butter, some firmly packed brown sugar. I am going to ignore that light brown sugar and use dark because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Large eggs, vanilla extract. But here's the next big one for me, and that is cake flour. Cake flour not available in the UK, but we've talked in the past. You can make your own really easily. The rough recipe is to measure out a cup of flour, take some away, and add cornstarch or corn flour, as they call it here, back in. So we will link to a do-it-yourself in the show notes for this episode. Andrea, do you make your own? No, I buy mine. I either get actual cake flour, or lately I've been buying something from Bob's Red Mill labeled as fine pastry flour. And in my head, that's the same thing as cake flour. I'm not sure if it actually is, but that's what I plan on using. Okay, got it. Finishing off the cake, you have baking powder, kosher salt, baking soda, and finishing off with one cup of heavy whipping cream. That's your cake. Pretty standard there, Andrea. Wet into dry, beating your butter brown sugar, adding your eggs, and baking that for 35 minutes about. So anything that jumps out to you otherwise in that cake? No, I think I'm going to be able to do that. It looks pretty standard. And again, going into the 13 by 9 is what's giving me great comfort because I have done a sheet cake before and they usually turn out pretty well. But then I turned the page and I see the salted caramel buttercream. So (laughs) now, Andrea, this is a Swiss meringue buttercream. You are using egg whites, granulated sugar, whisking those together, but then heating them over some simmering water before you're whipping them. Have you done this kind of a frosting before? I have never done this before, and you might recall that I had to change one of my 19 for 19 because I decided I couldn't make that hazelnut 
chocolate cake because it had so much butter in it. Yeah. This is the point where I ground to a halt reading the ingredients because the cake had one stick of butter, so that's typical, and maybe even a little light. You know, sometimes cakes will have two sticks of butter in them, so I thought, oh, that's fine. Yeah. But when I got to the buttercream and it has three (laughs) sticks of butter for one 13 by 9 sheet pan, I mean, I – (laughs) wow. That's a lot of butter. Yeah. This is a celebration cake. Mm -hmm. Well, that, I think, more than the cake – per se, is going to be the real challenge for me on this. I have not done a Swiss meringue before. I have not. I am really encouraged, though, Andrea. It does say that you can use immediately or refrigerate in an airtight container for up to three days. And then if you refrigerated it, just you know let it come back to room temperature. So while this cake seems and does have a lot of steps, I think if there's a way to break it down – Look for those ways, and maybe that's going to help with the assembly and with the baking. That's a really good suggestion, Stefan. And the other thing I wanted to point out in the buttercream, and it also comes up in the caramel sauce as well, is you need a candy thermometer or some sort of device to measure your temperature. So yeah. I don't have a candy thermometer. I just use my Thermapen, which is a you know food thermometer. I think a lot of people use them for meats, and you can use them for breads. That's what I'm going to be using. But I just wanted to call that out because that's an yeah. appliance. What, what would you call gadget. it? An appliance? Yeah. A gadget. Maybe a lot of people might not have in their kitchen. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. The final piece of this cake is this homemade salted caramel sauce. Stefan, you and I have made caramel sauce on more than one occasion. And we always like to give yeah. our listeners the warning that you want to use a pan with very high sides because at the end, when you add your cream into that melted mixture of sugar and, oh yes, more butter, (laughs) it's gonna bubble up really high. And so I just always like to put that cautionary tale out there. Please be careful when you're making this. There is nothing worse than a burn from hot sugar. I speak from experience. So that's all I gotta say about that. Be careful. Yeah, I mean, we also we also like to say um, when you're making caramel, make caramel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to concentrate. That's what you're doing. And it can go bad really quickly. So you just want to be focused and pay attention. Andrea, could I have a judge's ruling on using a prepared caramel sauce here? What do you think? Well, it's not your birthday. Um no. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> no, of course. Of course. Of course. Use... I would never do it if I was making it, you know, for you on your birthday. No, definitely not. There's so many fabulous prepared caramels yeah. these days. I know here in the States, there's one from Franz, and she is a local chocolatier, candy maker. She has a salted caramel that's absolutely divine. So I say anything you need to do to help you make this cake, go for it. Yeah, and not just for me and my my week of baking but you know if if what's stopping you from making this recipe and baking along with us is the homemade caramel then yeah do what you need to do and choose a high quality one that you like right i'm super excited this is really unlike any cake we've done it is unlike any cake we've done and it is just so perfect for my birthday it just has everything i love all in one pan so i can't wait except dole whip well (laughs) maybe you could serve it with dole whip (laughs) little dole whip on the side hey not a bad idea (laughs) well remember we will have a link to this recipe the butterscotch cake with salted caramel buttercream from bake from scratch in the show notes for this episode which is episode 149 on our website preheatedpodcast.com as well as our facebook listeners group 
Stefan, we are at a point in the show that I am so excited about. I am hoping I don't um, squeal in excitement. <laughs> it is our third season blue ribbon ceremony. Andrea, I can't believe it. Here we are. This is technically the last episode of third season. And when you hear from us next week in episode 150, we'll be officially kicking off our fourth. So a really good time to look back at the year that we've just had and baked so many great things. Before we look back at season three, I just want to do a brief shout out on our season one and season two blue ribbons because it's always fun Mm. to look back and see what we did there. So let's start out by reminding our listeners where we have previously awarded our blue ribbons. That's a great idea. So in season one, I went with the chocolate chess pie, still a perennial favorite in my house, one I continue to make. It has become a Thanksgiving tradition now. And I went with the lemon drizzle cake, which all of you know I still make on the regular as well. That was from episode 45, and it's just a great quick loaf cake with a load of lemon flavor. I feel like of all the episodes we give shout-outs to, Andrea, 45 is constantly being shouted out. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Season 2 Blue Ribbon for me was Prince Harry's Caramel Banana Cake. There we go again with so many yummy words, caramel, banana. Harry. Yeah, (laughs) Prince Harry (laughs) loved it so much. That was from episode 77, still one of my favorites. And I went with the chocolate biscuit cake from episode 75, which I also called just a big old Kit Kat. And both of those recipes were from the royal chef, Darren McGrady. So we called that a royal blue ribbon for season two since he won both of our blue ribbons. That was really fun. Yeah, that was a great month we did in May, right? We did it for the royal wedding that year. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. that was was incredible. So Andrea, I am really dying to know how you have narrowed down all of these amazing bakes we've done. We had so many great contenders in season three, so I split them into categories. And my first category are a couple of bakes that I really loved, but it turns out I only made them once during season three. Okay. And the reason is that they just scream holiday to me. Yeah. So the first one of those is from episode 101, the sweet potato pie. I absolutely loved it. My husband loved it. He said, please make this. Don't ever make me pumpkin pie again. I always want this pie. (laughs) That was the last time that I made it. It just feels very Thanksgiving to me. Yeah. And the other one was from episode 105.5, the figgy pudding, which Mm. was just so much fun, so different. I got to make it in my Instant Pot. I got to use molasses and dark sugar and all these fruits and things I don't normally use. And it just screams Christmas to me. So, you know, you don't serve a figgy pudding in June. (laughs) Yeah, the old-fashionedness of it we both loved. Yeah. I have two that I would say fall into your category as well. And one was the homemade Irish cream from episode 104. You know, even though it blew up my blender, it was so delicious. It was a really good riff on a homemade eggnog, and it came together so much faster than that. Yeah. But again, I think it was it was very holiday feeling to me. Mm-hmm. But the other one is not necessarily a winter holiday. It's the legendary Nanaimo bars from episode 135. Now, these were super delicious. Definitely one of my family's favorites. Very pretty, labor-intensive, but they were a no-bake. And for some reason, that just seems like a very summertime thing to me. I don't necessarily reach for a no-bake in the middle of, say, December or January. Right. A no-bake that then has to be refrigerated. I see what you mean. Yeah, good point. How else did you narrow down your list? 
So the other category are things that, again, I really loved, but I only made them once for a variety of different reasons that I'll share with you here. The first one in this category from episode 108 was the lemon spinach baked donuts. I love them. My family loved them. They were so good. They kind of made a healthy kick to breakfast. I think I just, since I don't like donuts, I never think of making donuts, even though I did like these. That's on my list as well of my top 10. And, you know, they were really fun. They were really zesty, that great lemon flavor. And they were green. So we talked at the time about what a fun thing that would be for an April Fool's or St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. I loved them. My family loved them. But I also haven't made them again. The next one in this group for me came from episode 117. And that is our chocolate and salted pistachio babka buns. Stefan, I absolutely love these, but as you know, this recipe was quite a challenge, and in fact, I don't think I would have completed it if I hadn't been standing side by side with you in your kitchen making these. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this one made my top 10 also, Andrea. I mean, based on how much fun I had making these, it's my number one. We were together in the kitchen. We did our bonus audio episode. It was an absolute blast. My final one in this category is something that I loved, my family loved, it was easy, but for some reason it just hasn't made it into my repertoire. I think because it's not a traditional American item, and that's from episode 119, the sausage rolls. Oh, fascinating. Oh my gosh, you guys did really love those. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that's the only time I made them. Well, I, only, I made them a couple of times when we were doing them, but I haven't pulled out that recipe again after that. And I feel that way about one of mine, which is from episode 120, and that's Nigel Slater's Seed Cake. I, in fact, awarded it a blue ribbon in the month that we baked it, which was our Literary Bakes Month. And I thought it was so simple but hearty, very historic. I loved the backstory on it. And it was really just different enough to really capture my imagination. But I haven't made that one again either. I was so excited to see one of our listeners on the Facebook group just recently made that. She was like, I'm a bit behind in my bake-alongs. And I just want to say to all of our listeners, you're never behind. No. You can make our bake-alongs anytime you want and post pictures, and we would love to see it. There is no expiration date on our bake-alongs. Please, no. Go back through the archives. Bake-along since day one. We would love to see it whenever you guys are able to get to the bakes. My final category were things that, again, I really loved. You're sensing a theme here. And these items I did make multiple times. So I've got three items in here. These are my top three. And so in no particular order, my first one is episode 101, The Hummingbird Bundt Cake. I love a bun cake. I think the hummingbird cake is popular in the South, but it's not as popular up here in the Pacific Northwest. So it was a real surprise for people. It's easy. It's beautiful. It's delicious. It's moist. I can't say enough good things about that hummingbird bun cake. And Andrea, I feel similarly about zebra corn from episode 129. Oh. Yes. Anything I ate the entirety of in one day must be mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good point. It is now my TNT for caramel corn. That was delicious. Look no further if you're in the market for a caramel corn. Now, when we initially reviewed that one, we both talked about perhaps leaving the chocolate off when we made it again. Has that been the case in what you've been doing? Yeah, exactly. I think that the chocolate was really nice. I think it was fun to see the white and the dark chocolates making the zebra stripes. But honestly, it was so good by itself. And the other thing that we had mentioned in that review was adding peanuts to make it like a homemade Cracker Jack. Mmm, yummy. 
The next bake up in this category for me in my top three is from episode 112, The Fresh Pear Pie from The Spruce Eats. This is a beautiful fall pie, but here in the Pacific Northwest, I can get great pears pretty much all year round. So it's one that I have made more than once. This is in my top 10 as well, Andrea. This was really another game-changing heritage bake for me. And I thought I was really done being impressed by pies, especially one this simple. But this was incredible. Loved the fresh pear pie. People were really surprised to eat it. I don't think people have as much experience eating cooked pears and certainly not in a pie as this one. So really loved this one. Yeah. My final entry in this category is a more recent bake, and that is from episode 142, the peanut butter and jelly poke cake. (laughs) The wonder from down under. Wonder from down under. I made this one for my husband's birthday. You know, Stefan, I wouldn't normally even put peanut butter on my, you know, top three list of flavors that I love in baking, but I just thought everything came together so beautifully in this cake. The peanut butter in the cake the beautiful frosting and then the dollops of jam on top i thought this was fabulous and everyone i served it to absolutely loved it yeah i think this was my family's or at least my kids blue ribbon for this year and like you andrea it's in my top 10 i was so charmed by this kind of everyday cake from aussie food blogger jess i mean it was my idea of a perfect cold snacking cake but it was also fancy enough as you just reminded us for a special occasion cake too. Yeah, so delicious. So Stefan, I have shared all of the items that are in contention for my blue ribbon. Do you have any more to add before we announce our final winners? I do. I have one more, and it is the Cookie Butter Blondies from episode 132. I've made them four times. (laughs) My family loves them. It lends itself really well to variations. You can add chocolate chips you could add nuts you could do a lot there with playing around with the base recipe the downside though means i have to keep cookie butter in the house (laughs) that is a challenge we discovered how easy it is to dip things into that cookie butter like pretzels or you know any sort of little leftover snack that you have cookie butter just makes everything better It's really way too easy to eat. It absolutely is. Okay, Andrea. So your top three again, remind us, and then should I try to guess? Yes, I like that idea. So my top three again in numerical order, episode 101, the hummingbird bunt cake, episode 112, the fresh pear pie, and episode 142, the peanut butter and jelly poke cake. I'm going to guess fresh pear pie from episode 112. My friend, you know me so well. (laughs) Or you've seen how many pictures. <laughs> you know, I just had a feeling because because you just had mentioned a few episodes ago that you had made it again. And you did it. We weren't talking about the pie itself. And you had just mentioned, oh, I just made it again. And just something in your voice. You were just so joyful about that pie. And I had a feeling, oh, such a good one. Such a strong blue ribbon. Yeah, it's really special for me because... Those of you who have been listening for a while, you know that I don't like baked apples. And so it's always been a little bit disappointing for me because I can't rejoice in the apple pie that's so famous here in the States. I've just never really liked it. Right. It was so much fun to be able to find this pie and to realize I'm basically creating an apple pie, but I'm using pears instead, which I really love baked pears. Now, why I like baked pears and not baked apples, I have no idea. But this recipe is so good. The first time I made it, I added some cardamom pods, and I love that combination of pear and cardamom. 
I have continued to do that. I don't do it every time, but I do it sometimes. It's great. I do want to give a shout out to the recipe developer for this pie. It was posted on the Spruce Eats, and the recipe developer is named Diana Rattray. And when I was looking her up, lo and behold, listen to the cookbooks that she's published, Guide to Southern Cooking and Everything Southern Cookbook. Um, Well, then no wonder. (laughs) No wonder. She's my kind of lady. I just think this pie works for me for so many reasons. It is a wonderful seasonal pie. It's definitely a great entry into fall. I often make it with the crumble topping. I think that's really good and it's really easy. It also is wonderful with the lattice topping because I think that helps the juice boil out and evaporate a little bit. Stefan, if you recall, that is one of the things we both ran into. I think the first time we made it was having the filling a little bit juicy. Yes. And then finally... I just love experimenting with all the amazing pears I can get here in the Pacific Northwest. And just as with any good apple pie, I love combining two to three different varieties in the fresh pear pie. And every time it tastes a little bit different and every time I think, oh, this is the best one. Definitely this one. (laughs) Well, I think it's wonderful, especially this time of year as, you know, we were just kind of laughing that it's cake month in November, but here's a wonderful pie for your Thanksgiving table, for Christmas time. It's definitely pear season. So that's such a solid, solid blue ribbon. And I also loved it. Again, it really was a game changer for me as far as a heritage pie. So Stefan, now you know where I've awarded my blue ribbon. Tell me where is yours going to fall? Or should I guess? Well, let me recap. So out of my top 10, here are my top three. Number one, Patty LaBelle's Sweet Potato Pie from episode 101. Number two was also the Fresh Pear Pie from episode 112. And number three, the Peanut Butter and Jelly Poke Cake from episode 142. So it's fascinating to me that in our top three, we had two that were exactly the same. Yeah, that's a sign of a good recipe, isn't it? (laughs) Can you guess where my season three blue ribbon will go? You know, I'm going to guess the sweet potato pie. Oh my gosh, have you been reading my secret documents? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I just remember how surprised you were about how much you loved this pie. Yes, it blew my mind. And it's fascinating (laughs) because this was the very first recipe we made from season three. So it's been an entire year, episode 101. Mm Mm-hmm. You might remember that instead of boiling the sweet potatoes, I roasted them. And I really do recommend that. I think that just adds a really nice depth of flavor. It also makes it a little more easy with preparation because you can kind of do that part and you don't have to watch your pot of boiling potatoes. But what I truly love about this, which is now in regular rotation and again will be at my Thanksgiving table, my husband, my father-in-law, and I We literally sat around the kitchen and ate one piece after the next in like blissful (laughs) silence. It was unbelievably good. And it really did, as you said, really surprised me. So I loved that it just was so delicious and really surprised me. I love a recipe that delights me. And let's give a shout out to this recipe developer. Of course, we're calling it Patty LaBelle's Sweet Potato Pie because it was based upon her recipe. But the recipe that we used came from the website What's Gabby Cooking? And she has a really great website. She also has a lot of really fun videos. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for that recipe. And another little thing I'd like to add on this one, back in a few episodes ago, we talked about making desserts for people who are going through a tough time health-wise. Yeah. I'm thinking, and, you know, I'm not entirely sure, but it'd be fun to experiment. This might be one of those pies you might want to try making without the crust. 
and just seeing if just that roasted sweet potato and the filling would make a nice pie. What do you think? I think definitely just the custard portion. I would watch out because I think one reason I really do like that custard is I think it has a stick of butter in it. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Might be might be a little rich but you're right I think it could because of that I think it could stand alone without Mm -hmm. the pastry also Mm -hmm. yeah yeah loved that how great that in this month of November for our third season blue ribbons we both chose a pie that are perfect for this time of year Uh, I know it's almost like we planned it (laughs) so listeners we're gonna put together a handy little pdf of Andrea's top contenders my top contenders and then our season three blue ribbon so Watch for that coming soon on our website. Listeners, if you want to weigh in and share some of your blue ribbons from our third season, go ahead and take a look back starting at episode 101 and coming all the way through today's episode 149 and let us know what you think was the best bake of the third season. Well, Andrea, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get the icing onto this episode We release new shows every Monday morning. And next week, we're releasing episode 150. Can you believe it? I know. We'll start with a review of that colossal butterscotch cake with salted caramel buttercream. And then we're introducing a new version of my celebration cake standard, the chocolate Guinness cake. Finally, we'll talk about a necessary ingredient in all of our baking in a segment we're calling Pass the Salt, Please. Listeners, if you'd like to get an email and a link to the full show notes every week when our episode is released, subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, preheatedpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at Preheated Pod. And thanks, as always, to Anne Marie Russell, who's been with us from episode one, for her amazing music. If you like Anne Marie's stuff, head on over to annemarierussell.com or check her out on Amazon or iTunes. And if you like our show, please tell a friend and subscribe and consider ranking and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download our show. Until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions. Stefan, I think the fact that we both picked pie for our third season Blue Ribbon Mm -hmm. is a sign that our pie cookbook is meant to be. Oh my gosh, it's going to happen. Fourth season goals, my friend. 2020. (laughs) I can't wait.